Proverbs chapter 15 a little while ago. Finances and your future. Proverbs 15, verse 16 and 17. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Now Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich ruleth over the poor. And the borrower is servant to the lender. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The American colonies were under the rule of the British crown before we became a nation. And there were a group of patriots who were longing for freedom. I just wanted to be loose from British control during these colonial days and so they drew up a document listing their grievances against King George III of England and in that same document they declared that the colonies are now free and independent from the crown. That was bravery, courage, a bit of trepidation involved there but they did it. It was a bold and daring move but the, the declaration of independence proved to be a good move. And we still celebrate it with a great fanfare every year on 4th of July. The battles began as soon as they declared independence. And those battles were long and fierce. The people of God today are in a battle with finances. And while this is a little bit different battle, it is still harsh requires sacrifice to be independent of debt. And debt is, has a stranglehold on so many Americans that the ones who are Christians can't really serve God like they would like to because they're being squashed by the need to fulfill that desire for finances and to try to stay up above water, keep their chin above water as they pay off those debts. And it's a struggle and it hurts. Uh, maybe not as bloody a battle as the Revolutionary War, but it is a battle and does take sacrifice. Let's pray together, and I want to preach on the Ten Commandments of getting out of debt. Father, I pray that you'd bless us. Lord, help us to be attentive to the things written in the Scripture that would be principles that would help us to be more financially independent, not just so we can feel good about not owing things, but, Lord, so that we have freedom of time to serve you and so that we have uh, resources that we can use in your work and Lord that we might be able to better supply the needs of our families and our, our churches. Lord I pray that you'd bless us to that end tonight. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. According to some studies in the United States among at least the top three reasons for divorce one of them would be financial issues and Debt, though, is not absolutely the real culprit. It's the underlying issues of debt. And we might say envy, greed, desire to have more, financial impatience, maybe trying to impress other people. Ecclesiastes 2.10, we've been in our series on Sunday mornings in Ecclesiastes and 
And uh, Solomon was writing, having been serving God at the beginning of his life, then he drifted away from the Lord, and then later on, much of his life was spent pursuing pleasure, finances, gold, things to satisfy his own personal desires. And in chapter 2, verse 10 of Ecclesiastes, here's what he said. Ecclesiastes said, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. Now, are y'all tuning into that? Whatever my eyes desired, I kept those things not from myself. If I wanted it, I got it. Just because I wanted it, I desired it, I got it. And then he said, I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. His eyes lusted, and his emotions were not restrained. And I would dare say that many today, if not most, who are struggling financially have had their eyes on something besides the Lord and maybe following emotions rather than the principles of the Word of God. And <laughs> Solomon, he had all the riches and all the authority and all of the provisions that a seasoned man might have, but yet he wasn't very grown up in his thinking. <laughs> he was a very childlike in saying, whatever I wanted, I got it. Based on God's word, there are 10 principles, and we'll call them 10 commandments, not like the inspired word of God, but 10 commandments for getting out of debt. And we'll, we'll cover five of them tonight, Lord willing, and next Wednesday night we'll do the last five. But the first one tonight, <laughs> and you're, you're blank, you can fill in, thou shalt determine where thy money is going. Determine where your money is going. As with using a road map, before we know what route. I went to a preacher's meeting yesterday in, in Sherwood down North Little Rock. And, and this church is, if you don't go in there the right way, you wind around through neighborhoods and come in and uh, your GPS is telling you, make this turn, make that turn. And man, I was going in circles trying to get there. I finally got there, but it would have been a lot simpler if I hadn't of relied on that thing totally because I was real close to the church before I made all those big circles. You, your map, your GPS, your, your location won't be near as accurate uh, unless you know where you are when you're starting. Don't we need to know? Before you route, before you draw out your route to another destination, you need to know where you are right now. A starting place. And that's the way it is with finances. If we're going to find ourselves getting out of debt, first we've got to realize where, where we are right now. <clears throat> and just for an example, one of the keys to getting out of debt is finding out where our money is going. And an example would be uh, money saved from eating out each week could make a monthly payment for us. I mean, what does it cost to eat out now? I mean, even at a fast food restaurant to get lunch. What do you say? Huh? For, for a couple, it might take 30 bucks. I mean, even if a guy goes in, he's in a real hurry, he's just going to grab fries and Coke and uh, uh, fries and a drink and, and a sandwich. 
uh, best he can do is probably even if you get something off the value menu, it's probably still going to, you're going to spend five, uh, 10 bucks before you get out of there. And so if, if you took your lunch to work, and did you know that if you read, read behind Dave Ramsey and you'll find out the millionaires that he documents in, in his instructions, he said that many, if not most of the millionaires started out brown bagging their lunch. I mean, they had money. <laughs> they didn't have to eat at McDonald's. But they didn't even eat at McDonald's. They took a brown bag. Now you had ate a sandwich for lunch, just like any other worker would. If, if we took our lunch and could save our lunch money, we might have enough to make a $150 payment on one of our debts that month. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It seems like such a little amount of money, but when you add it up day by day, week by week, <laughs> and at the end of the year, man, it gets really big. And don't think I'm, I'm being a Scrooge. You know, I, I think eating out is fun and delicious sometimes, and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with eating out. Unless you're up to here in debt, then you've got to say, it's time to have a revolutionary war. It's time to sacrifice. I'm going to have to do like uh, George Washington's men and sit up there and shiver in the cold a little bit and, and maybe do without something that I wouldn't normally have had. Nothing wrong with eating out if you've got bukus of money to do it with, but... Doing it on a daily basis is probably not a good idea for trying to get out of debt. It's kind of like being out in a boat and you discover you've got a leak. If, uh, if you've got a leak in the boat, instead of just trying to keep dipping it out, what's the best thing to do? Uh, maybe plug the hole. Find the hole and plug it. And that's the way we get out of debt is find the hole where the money's leaking out, plug that thing up, and then work on getting out of debt. And once we plug out that hole where everything's going out, then we can start taking it and paying off on the debts, and then we can eventually get to the place where we don't have to be in bondage. Plug up the leak. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Now, they were agricultural people in Bible days. And so this would be kind of be equivalent to us today. Instead of looking to see about our flocks, the state of our flocks, we need to know the state of our finances. What do we owe? What's coming in? What's going out? And how are we categorizing it? Do we indiscriminately spend or do we have a plan? Solomon saying, watch your business interests and when you look into the state of your flocks. Keep track of where your money's going. <clears throat> if we're going to determine where we're at, we have to know what we're spending money on. So Dave Ramsey again was saying, I didn't get, get my lessons from Dave Ramsey, but he's got some really good ones. Uh, he would say, sit down and, and get you a list together of everything you're spending and then keep a, a notepad or maybe on your phone, uh, notes on your phone, and every time you spend something, listed in there so you're keeping up with all those little things you're buying and then you know what's happening on the financial front in fact he Dave Ramsey has some software available and there's others uh, on apps on your phone and, and your laptop you can you can download apps to keep up with your own finances I don't do they still do QuickBooks or is that out of date now uh, it's still out there there's, there's some like that uh, older I, I wouldn't know 
<laughs> you, you and Connor is the only ones in here that would know. <laughs> a close analysis of where our money's going helps us to be able to develop a strategy to get out of debt. And that's what we're talking about tonight, the, the commandments to get out of debt. And so there's some things that we can't do without. I mean, you've got to have food. You've got to have clothes. And I dare say that, that most Americans probably don't ever budget for clothes. <laughs> most probably don't. I just go and when they realize they've got a hole in their shirt, they just go buy one. Or, or maybe they just go and buy a whole new wardrobe one day instead of budgeting out a certain amount each month. Say, I've, I know I'm going to, these clothes ain't going to last forever. And so whether you buy them at Goodwill or Walmart or off of Amazon or at the best men's store, it's good to budget ahead of time and know where, where, where you've got the money laid aside to buy it when you need it. And once we figure out where we are in our finances right now, then we can lay out a map to get out of debt. <laughs> and once we pay off one small debt, then we can take what that monthly outgo is on that little debt and pick the next smallest one and apply that to this one. And it's what you call the snowball effect. And so you begin to pay them off quicker. You pay off this little one, add it to the next one, pay that one off and add it to the next one. And so you're making triple payments on one, two or three payments down the line instead of going out and saying, man, I got this one paid off. Now what can I buy? <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of the American way. We get to where we feel like, man, I didn't, have any, I didn't have any money left over this month, but I believe I could stretch things out and I believe I could go into debt just a little bit more. Uh, boy, that's strangle, strangle, strangle. <clears throat> Number two, second commandment. Thou shalt determine the total amount of thy debt and devise a plan to pay it back. It's easy to say, well, I'm going to pay those debts off. But something always happens every month, you know, and you just comes time to send in that payment, and maybe it's there, maybe it's late, but we struggle to send it in, and we don't really have a plan to get ahead. It's always just kind of struggle along at the same pace, and so we don't ever get out. And so thou shalt determine the total amount of thy debt, and devise a plan to pay it back. The Bible does teach when you borrow, you're supposed to pay it back. Now, I wish Joe Biden knew that instead of giving all of these, all of these uh, students that's racked up oodles and thousands upon multiplied thousands of dollars uh, to go to a liberal college and get a liberal education where they come out knowing how to do underwater bas basket weaving with a scuba set or something, you know. And so taxpayers like you, they want you to pay off those who went to Yale. You, you're out here doing some hard manual labor and they want you to pay off their debts. Well, I kind of, again, I think it's, Smart, if you don't have to go to an Ivy League college to get that degree, why not go to a local, uh, a local college, a branch college? What do they call the one like here? Community. community college. Yeah, I knew it was some big word I couldn't remember. Community college. Why not go to a community college? Um, you know, probably nobody cares much about where you get your degree and maybe not even whether you have one or not. Do you see this right here? <laughs> That is my laminated copy of my high school diploma. 
from 1969. You know what? I carry it every day now for how long? 50 years? Over 50 years? And I have yet to have one single person say, let me see your high school diploma. I got a bachelor's degree. I've never had anybody to say, let me see that bachelor's degree. I got a master's a couple of years ago. It only took me 70 years to get a master's degree. And I got a master's degree. Got an honorary doctorate. That don't count. Uh, got the master's degree. Got it on display in my office behind a glass, glass bookshelf. Nobody ever says, Preacher, let me see your master's degree. Nobody cares. And when we pay out oodles of thousands and thousands of dollars for student loans, when it really doesn't make that much difference, and you could probably went to welding school or plumber school or carpenter school or truck driving school or learn how to do heavy equipment operation or maybe uh, bookkeeping or accounting or taxes or something like that, uh, you, can, you can learn how to make a lot of money without having to have a highfalutin degree from one of those Ivy League schools that don't mean anything except they're dodos now anyway. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very few people come out of those with good sense, I'm telling you. Many, many people do that. Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. The wicked borroweth and pay not again. Boy, that sounds kind of rough, doesn't it? If I don't pay my debts, it almost sounds like he's calling me wicked. <laughs> hmm, I'm offended. Well, wait a minute, I better not be, though. God wrote that. <laughs> the wicked borroweth and pay. We're supposed to pay our debts back. It's just not right. It's not ethical, not biblical, not the American way. To borrow and not pay it back. So to get out of debt, we need to know the total amount. And most people don't really know exactly how far in debt they are because they've never written it down. And so here's a suggestion. Go home and pull out a legal notepad or maybe on your laptop and and list every single debt that you have. Every single one. Where the money is going. And then get the calculator out. Because <laughs> we don't know math anymore. <laughs> we got woke kindergartens now teaching kids uh, <laughs> to hate certain politicians, <laughs> but they don't know how to do math. And so we pull our calculator out and we, we calculate up that column of figures of things we owe. And look at that total. Man, didn't know it was that much. Yeah, most of us don't know. List all of those monthly payments, those debts, and the APR. Because we're, we're probably paying some interest on those debts. Most of the time, if it's credit cards, it's up there, man, big. And so when you're paying out, Debts, you gotta, you got to figure in. I'm paying interest out too. It's not just that monthly payment's not paying my bill off as fast as it ought to because I'm paying a lot of interest on it. And that's one reason we want to get our, finish getting our church building and church property paid off. Uh, we've been, we've been uh, rocking along now for several years with good facility and plenty of land, but we ought not still be paying on it. Uh, we, sh we should get it paid off. And we're, we're making progress, aren't we, Brother Paul? Uh, we got it paid down there. I think if, uh, if we lock the doors tonight and make everybody give $1,000 before we leave, I think we could pay it off.
Couldn't we? Okay. Lock the door. <laughs> After determining, determining the amount of our indebtedness, we must fully acknowledge our responsibility to pay it back. We look at all those debts, and we've got to say, I did that. <laughs> I bought that stuff. I went in debt for that stuff. That'd be nice if Uncle Norbert died and left me a million dollars, but I ain't got no Uncle Norbert, so that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> and so I made those debts. It's my responsibility to pay them back. I can't blame it on somebody else. They're my debts. I've got to pay them back. Sometimes you may have hospital bills, and once in a while hospitals will do this. They'll, they'll write off a debt for you. And if they do that, then graciously take it as a blessing from the Lord. <laughs> I had uh, a heart surgery, triple, triple bypass in Little Rock. I was preaching a preacher's meeting in Little Rock one day and had a heart attack while, uh, just after I'd preached and went to the hospital, and I told them they put me in the emergency room, and I told the doctor working on me, I said, Doc, i got to tell you something. <laughs> I hadn't got any money, and I hadn't got any insurance. And he said, it don't matter now. He said, you're having a heart attack, and we're going to take care of you. And so it ended up costing thousands upon thousands of dollars, and they wanted to be paid. Well, and we were paying them back. I said, I'll pay you all I can. So we're paying on all of them, you know, up to here, paying a little bit to all of them every month. And, and one Christmas, the surgeon sent us uh, an invoice, and on it he had wrote across it, uh, paid in full, Merry Christmas. And he just wrote it off. We didn't ask him to, but I'm going to start. <laughs> Um, they may do that. And if they do, don't say, no, 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 I refuse that. I'm going to pay it. No, if, they, if they're going to give it to you, it's a gift. I mean, that's what God did when he sent Jesus to the cross to die for us. I mean, we couldn't pay that debt. And he said, I'm going to write it off. You'll receive the payment. It's done. And so uh, if somebody offers to do something for you, I mean, you don't have to say, well, well good. I think you owe, that, that, owe me that anyway. <laughs> but at the same time, don't, don't say, no, no, no. If somebody tries to give you a gift, receive it graciously and say, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, We've got to remember to pay our debts. Psalm 37, 21, I already read that one. Um, it may seem impossible to pay ourselves out of debt. It may seem impossible, but what did, what did the Lord say? He said, with men, he said, with men it may be impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so if we make up our mind, I'm going to honor God, I'm going to pay off the debts that I made and I'm responsible for, and I'm going to ask God to help me stick with it, to be patient and work hard and put my nose to the grindstone and to sacrifice when I have to. And if God will honor that, He just might do the impossible for you. Now, it won't be easy. It's easier to get in debt than to just get out. You know that, right? But God wants us out of debt even more than we want to be out of debt. God wants us to be out. So first, we determine our spending habits. Second, we make a plan to pay it off and get out of debt. And third, third commandment, thou shalt not presume on future earnings. Thou shalt not presume on future earnings. I mean, we can always see. What was that guy's name in David Copperfield? Uh, he's always saying he's poor and always broke. He kept saying something's going to turn up. Something's going to turn up. What's that guy's name? Anybody? 
You remember? Mr. Mr. Something. I can't remember his name. It just came to me about that story. But he was always poor and always in debt and couldn't uh, get enough money together. But he's always saying, tomorrow's going to be a better day and next week's going to be a better week. Something's going to turn up. He was overly optimistic. And if we do that, we'll be in debt for the rest of our lives. 20 years ago or so, I think it's been that long since they started drilling the gas wells in this area. Has it been that long? And <clears throat> we just got a small place out of town, but, but they came through and, and did the uh, explosive tests on the ground uh, on our little place. And, and so we got to thinking, you know, we don't own much land. Boy, I hope we get something out of this. I, I, I was hearing talk about they're going to pay big because natural gas was really expensive at that time. And we got, I don't know, we got a, we got a few bucks out of it, you know, a month. It wasn't enough to buy a new pickup truck or anything, but, but we, uh, we got a little bit out of it because we only had like six acres. But I thought, boy, those people that had like three or 400 acres, they, they probably making a lot of money. And those people thought they were making a lot of money too. And they were at the beginning. And some of those landowners that, that saw these big bucks coming in at the beginning, they cast their eyes to the future and thought, you know, this is going to be paying some big dollars to us on down the road just like it is now. And a lot of them went out and bought brand new vehicles, built new houses, went in debt for businesses, had all kinds of improvements done based on what they thought was going to happen in the future. And then natural gas went down. And people that were getting those checks, like $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a month or more, suddenly it went down to nearly nothing. I don't know how many vehicles got repossessed. I don't know how many homes got repossessed. I don't know how many businesses went out because of that loss of income. But they were presuming upon the future. And when we go to, into debt, we're presuming that we're going to have money to pay for this in the future. And I'm not saying it's, there's never a time to buy something on the credit. I think it's rather few times that we possibly would. I mean, to build a house, you just about have to. I don't think if you save up enough money to build a new house, you'll die before you ever get around to building it because you'll, you'll run out of years before you get enough money. So that would be one of those instances to buy a house. Maybe you'd have to go into debt. Uh, to buy a fancy car, I think not. Uh, there's a lot of people who have presumed on the future that the income was going to be there and so I can go into debt and it'll be okay. You don't know if you'll even have your job a month from now. You don't know if you're going to fall and break an ankle or a leg and you won't be able to go to work. Maybe have a heart attack and be laid up for a while. We don't know what's happening in the future. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth, is what the scripture says. And so the more we go into debt, the more we presume upon the future, assuming that we're going to have the money to pay that debt we made, and it might not be there. <laughs> that income. Was you going to say something? <laughs> say it again. <laughs> Well, you'll have to go dig up some of those fruit jars in the back 
backyard with all that cash. <laughs> yeah, pull up the floorboards and, and, and withdraw some of that money you've been stuffing down in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not making a connection. Macabre, Mr. Macabre, yeah, yeah. I knew somebody would think of it sooner or later. That's good. There is little difference between not paying a debt and stealing. If I borrow something and don't pay it back. I mean, even with little things like tools, if somebody, if somebody borrows your tool and they don't bring it back, you kinda, it kind of grates on your nerves a little bit, doesn't it? I've, I used to have a lot, of, a lot of tools. I don't have very many anymore. You know, they just kind of dwindle away. I don't know. I think there's, uh, what, what are those little, not leprechauns, what are the little? Not elves and leprechauns, but gnomes. Gnomes, they come along and steal your tools. No, I don't worry about him getting them. Have <laughs> you seen the palms of his hands? <laughs> James 4.14, whereas you know not, what shall be on the morrow? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We can't presume upon the future to run up big debts and we're just not going to be able to pay them off when something happens. So number one commandment, determine your spending habits. Number two, develop a plan to pay it back. Number three, delete the presumption factor. And number four, thou shalt destroy all credit cards. Oh, I hate this one, don't you? Thou shalt destroy all credit cards. This is one of the most dangerous threats to our financial security. And it just is. I mean, we have to find a way. You might not be able to, to get out of credit card debt right away, but it is possible. I've been up to here in it before, and it hurt getting out. I mean, it hurt. When we planted this church, we, we ran out of, out of money and Back then, we didn't have very, we didn't have a thousand people like we got now, and <clears throat> so we didn't have a lot of tithe, a lot of tithes coming in, <clears throat> and offerings, and so my wife and I, our family was give, doing most of the giving, and uh, and so we we just ran out of money, and, and we had this church off the ground and started, but to keep it going, we were trying to pump money into it, and when we were putting our money into it, we were having to use our credit card to buy groceries, and that's dumb as a box of rocks, and. I did wrong, uh, admittedly. I got us in, boy. I mean, this was over 20 years ago. We were in like, I, I remember it being thirty-seven dollars to $38,000. My wife says it's even more. Uh, I like my figures better because it doesn't make me look quite as dumb. <laughs> but that's a lot of money even today. $37,000, dollars Could have been like, she thinks maybe around forty-two or something like that. We couldn't see our way out. We weren't. I was doing the church. wasn't getting paid anything out of church. We were paying the church, not the other way around. And uh, so we were. I was working a full-time jobs, trying to make money, and I got really deep in. And so when it looked like we were just about to lose everything, I thought we were going to have to sell Aaron to uh, to pay off some debts, and nobody wanted to buy him. And. <laughs> 
Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> and so uh, we, uh, we come to the end of the line where we, just, we couldn't make the payments. And so what we did at that time, all I knew to do and was to call all of my credit card companies and say, look, I've got myself in too deep. I did wrong. I owe you the money, and I'll pay it if you'll let me pay it out as best I can. But I, I mean, I, you can get so much blood out of a turnip, and there ain't no more. And I, I went to every credit card company. I said, look, I'll pay you. I'll pay you some every month. But this is all I can pay. Otherwise, if you press me harder, the only thing I can do is declare bankruptcy. And I don't want to do that, and you don't want me to do that. Because if I do that, you don't get nothing. And it makes me look even worse yet. <laughs> and so they agreed to let me pay it off. And finally we came, there was something called Genus back then. I don't think they're still around. And I don't even know if that was a good deal either. But, but they consolidated all of our credit card debts into one through their company, debt consolidation. And I think our monthly payment on those credit cards was like 800 and something a month to Genus combining all those other credit cards together. And, and that was a huge amount. I mean, it was strangling us. We put our nose to the grindstone. We said, well, you know, it'll, if there's no other possible way, I guess we can file bankruptcy, but I'm not going to unless I see the handwriting on the wall and the, there's no money to send them, then we'll do it. And so we just tried and tried and tried and struggled month by month. We finally, after years of struggling, we finally got out. When we got out, took scissors, cut up all the credit cards, every last stinking one of them, cut them up into a gazillion pieces, and I uh, said, so we're, we're not going to do this again. And so we got a bank card, a debit card through the bank later on because you got, if you're going to buy anything online or book a rental car or travel of any kind, you just about have to have a card anymore. And so we got a debit card, and, and that way you... You can't go into debt because all it's going to do is you can spend what's in your bank account, and when that's gone, you're done. <laughs> and so uh, if you've got high credit limits on your credit card, you can just keep going up, up, up till you hit that limit. And so we said, we're not going to do that again, and we finally got out. And so we destroyed them. And Citibank today, one of the most popular cards because they've got a cash back feature. If you keep everything paid up, paid off, uh, even your gasoline, groceries, you get a percent back as cash points each month now. But if you let your monthly balance roll over into the next month, you don't pay it off fully every month, you know what they charge you for interest? 29.75. <laughs> you hit it nearly on the nose. 29%, you might as well say 30% APR on unpaid balance. So if you, uh, even at 15% interest, if you, if you owed $16,000 on, on cards, and even at 15% interest, and you owe $16,000, it would take you 30 years to pay it off at 200 a month. 30 years to pay off $16,000. You know why? Because you're paying interest all the time. Interest. And the amount you finally pay and... Those 30 years, you pay $72,000 back to them for that 16000 you bought on the credit. Is that 
the definition of insanity. <laughs> now we can see why credit cards are one of the most profitable businesses in the country alongside Big Pharma. And, uh, and you, that's why you get seven or eight envelopes every month in your mailbox. Why don't you take out another credit card? Because they're hoping that you'll go up to that limit and you can't make your monthly payment and it'll get rolled over month by month. And then they've got you hooked for all those years and all that interest rolling in. That is the name of the game. To get out of debt, we must stop buying on credit. We must stop. If we're in debt, we can't say, well, okay, we're just going to do it one more time. No, it's just like a heroin addict. You can't do it one more time. You have to quit. You've got to say, we're going to quit today. Take the scissors and cut those credit cards up into 12 pieces, one for each month that you're going to have to pay on it and destroy those things. Take them out and build a bonfire in the backyard and burn those babies up and don't use them anymore. Or we could call it performing plastic surgery. <laughs> plastic surgery on your credit cards. Um, the, the surgeon who was a keynote speaker at a plastic surgery conference uh, for a second year in a row, he looked out at the crowd and he said, I see a lot of new faces here tonight. <laughs> you just might have a new face when you get all of those credit cards paid off. You get all those debts paid off. You're out of debt. The stranglehold is gone and you might have a new face with a smile on it. Perform plastic surgery on your credit cards. Well, let me hasten on. Proverbs 10, 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Dealing with a slack hand, what does that mean? A slack hand is just not keeping your hand on your finances, buying things on the credit instead of paying for it. And it's so easy, man, when you put stuff. You pull out that plastic, put it out there in that uh, kiosk, when you're buying stuff, it's so easy. You don't feel the pain like you would if you're pulling out greenbacks and you start counting those 20s out. Man, that's got some pain involved in it. And, and that's why I see everything go to all plastic nowadays. I mean, it's, I understand the convenience of it. I understand the necessity of it for so many transactions we have to, to do. But it's kind of like your taxes. When they hold out your taxes every week out of your check, you don't feel the pain like you would if you'd have got your whole paycheck, everything that you actually earned, if you'd have got it all in your hands in cash, and then the government says, hey, come here, uh, out of that $400, give me 100 back. And they ask you every week, give me a $100 bill back. If you had to hand that green back over every week back to the government, you'd feel the pain. That's why I don't think it's wise to uh, let the government hold your money all year long. Uh, don't file all those dependents so they're not hold, or, 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 uh, where they're holding uh, more out on you so you get that big refund back at the end of the year. Keep that cash coming to you, uh, and you don't want to figure out where you've got to pay a bunch in at the end of the year, but you don't want to get a big refund back at the end of the year because you think, man, I now hit the jackpot, the gold, at the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you know, and so you feel like this is free money. No, it was your money all year. You let the government hang on to it for you. Uh, use that yourself. You need it. After destroying your credit cards, uh, pick up a debit card from your bank and, and don't apply for new credit cards. And next, uh, look over the list and prioritize by numbering them one by one all of your bills that you owe, your debts. Prioritize them. Uh, 
So here's, I owe this credit card company $300. I owe this finance company $2,000. And this one I owe $8,000. Go back to that smallest one, pay it off first. Well, why start with the smallest one? Because you need a little victory right off the bat. The smell of victory is sweet. And you pay one of those off, boy, you, you buckle down, knuckle down, and pay that little one off. And you say, what well, feels good. I got one paid off. That helps you emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. And then you take what you were paying on that little bill, and you roll it over that next smallest one, and pay off your smallest one. Instead of starting on the big one and working your way down, you start with the small one, small ones, and work your way up. That way you have victories early and more often paying them off, and that keeps you psychologically engaged and ready to keep on track. And every time you pay one off, you put that money in your victory fund and say, this is going on that next debt. Instead of going out and saying, boy, we can live it up tonight, sweetie, <laughs> and blowing it on something that you didn't need. Well, you need some victory right away. Three things we should never do to get out of debt. Don't take out a home equity loan. Bad news. Don't borrow against your retirement. Bad news. Don't get a consolidation loan. You say, well, that sounds like something we could do. And preacher, you even did it. Yeah, I, was, I said I was really dumb back in those days with finances. And uh, I did it and it worked. But here's the problem with a consolidation loan. Um, first of all, it might be some origination fees. If you get a bank loan, you're going to have to pay some origination fees right up front to get the loan to start with. So if you've got a $100, $200 right off the bat, you've got to pay for the paperwork. You're already in the hole that much. And so if, if you can tough it out and pay them off without getting the consolidation loan, you're better off. Now I'm, I'm speaking a lot of these in generalities. There may be some exceptions, but we ought to live by the rule instead of the exceptions, don't you think? And everybody said. Well, what have we covered so far? Determine your spending, devise a plan, delete your presumption, destroy your credit cards, and finally, dispose of items. Thou shalt sell non-essential items or assets. Thou shalt sell non-essential items or assets. Dispose of everything possible to put towards paying off your debts. Sell your stuff. I mean, if you're drowning in debt up to here, do you think you really need to hold on to that fancy fishing boat? <laughs> that bass boat? Maybe it's a $20,000 boat and you're paying out 20 and 30% on credit cards. Would that really make sense? <laughs> you got a, a four-wheeler, ATV, or maybe you've got uh, some other things. Maybe they're fun things and not, not sinful. But if you're up to debt in here, it doesn't make sense to hang on to fun stuff when you need to get down to the nitty-gritty and pay off the serious stuff. And so dispose of anything you can. If you've got several cars, several vehicles, decide I'm going to keep one clunker so I can get back and forth to work. You've got to keep working, right? And so you want to get to work, so keep the old clunker. Sell the ones that's, uh, that's worth anything at all. Sell them. You sell them in the junkyard and get quite a bit out of them if they're not worth anything to anybody to drive. And uh, sell everything down until you've got just one. And, or if, if both people in the family are working, then maybe you need two. <coughs> but <coughs> that's what happened to... When uh, the sailors threw Jonah overboard on the ship, remember that? 
they're, they're, they're about to sink. The storm's getting bad. And it says in Jonah 1.5, Then the mariners were afraid and cried to every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was going down in the sides of the ship and he lay, where he lay and was fast asleep. They were throwing things overboard. They said, man, we're going to sink. And this stuff that we got on board, yeah, we got a destination for it and it's worth some money. But it's not going to be worth anything to us if we're dead. And so they took all the wares and threw it overboard. They said, we'd rather live than to have that stuff. And friend, Christian, we ought to want to live above stranglehold level. And so if we got things we can sell, have a yard sale, go to marketplace, advertise stuff, sell the things that you can that you don't need to survive with. And we can survive on a lot less than we thought. I'm just talking about getting out of debt. And... If we're going to survive the financial storm, we can sell vehicles, jewelry, big people toys, valuables, I mean, uh, campers, uh, recreational vehicles, all sorts of stuff that could be sold if, if we needed to to get out of debt. And it ought to be a mutual decision between the husband and wife. Husband and wife needs to be on the same page of the book. I mean, you don't, want to, you don't slip in her jewelry cabinet and get that diamond ring and go sell it and not tell her about it, right? <laughs> then you've got real problems, friend. Uh, make sure you're on the same page of the book. Involve your spouse. But look, be careful about involving your children. You're the big people. You make the decisions. Those are the little people. And they're supposed to follow you. And so you, uh, you make decisions together. You pray about it and decide what you're going to do and, and sell all of that high-priced stuff and that's depreciated depreciating quickly, get rid of it. And uh, then you'll have, even if you have to sell something and break even or even lose a little bit, you're still better off than you are making those exorbitant price or uh, payments every month and just get rid of it. Might even be that somebody has to consider downsizing their home. You know, when they get older, uh, especially the kids are gone and gone and and uh, hopefully they're getting their own place to live, you know. We, we don't need as many bedrooms and a bigger house. And so we might downsize there and, and lower the payment some, uh, refinance at a lower rate. Uh, maybe the political climate will change one of these days where inflation is not as bad and people are making more money and, and the price of things, you know, it won't be maybe as high. I, I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. <laughs> but it's always nice to dream. Um, but when you're, when, you're, when you're getting rid of stuff and, you're, and if you've got money in a savings account, how much does a savings account earn now? 2%? Will it earn 2%? won't even get that, will it? Just high yield. You've got to put a bigger amount in there and leave it for a longer amount of time? Okay. So these local banks here are probably going to be around 2 maybe 3%. If, you're, if you've got your money somewhere where it's easy to get it out if you needed it. And so if, if you're paying 20% on a credit card and you've got money laying in the bank drawing 2%, um, maybe it'd be wise to take some of that and pay off some of those high-interest debts. Don't get rid of all your money out of savings account. 
Most experts agree that, that you need to keep at least a couple thousand dollars, one or two thousand dollars in an emergency fund. And that way, I was just thinking on the way driving out to church this afternoon, it was exactly this time of year last year, my wife and I were going to, I was going to preach a Valentine's banquet in Oklahoma City. And uh, we got to uh, Rus Russellville, around Russellville. And uh, we had a 2021 Kia, as nearly new. And the thing broke down, the engine went kaput. And we had to abandon that thing in the heavy rain, find somebody, called a preacher in a couple of towns over. He came and got us and transported us back to Conway. And I called another preacher friend who had a tow truck, and he hauled our Kia back to Conway to get it worked on. And so we, we hustled around and found a car we could rent, and we just barely made it to Oklahoma City in time to preach the Valentine's banquet. That thing cost us a couple thousand uh, right there to have that engine fixed. The warranty was out. We didn't buy the uh, extra warranty. Uh, that we never heard of it before. We never get phone calls. Anybody wanting to sell us warranty, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we just, we just had to pay for it, you know, with real money. And so I thought, thank God, we we learned a little bit from our wicked past to put a little money back to pay for emergencies like that. So we were able to pay for that. They got it fixed finally. We went and got it. Started driving home in it. And got all, all the way nearly back to Searcy from Conway, out here at Highway 267 on the bypass, the transmission went out. Driving back from the repair shop. And I, said, I called him up. I said, guys, come and get this thing. <laughs> come and get it. He, he knew I was, I was pretty hot under the collar. He said, we'll, we'll send a tow truck out there right now. Uh, he'll be there in just a few minutes. And they did. They hauled that thing back. And had to put a new transmission in it. That's $3,500. And this time, I'm riding their hump pretty heavy. And the service manager said, uh, when he finally got it fixed, he said, well, the bill's $3,500. And I'm kind of glaring at him. He said, but we decided we're going to go ahead and cover it for you, even though your warranty's out. I'm like, that guy wanted to live. <laughs> Now, I don't know. My, my suspicions are they probably got it pushed through on warranty somehow. I don't think they gave me $3,500 out of the goodness of their heart. I don't think. But I was glad that somebody paid for it. But I'm just saying, if we don't have an emergency fund, that was a 2021 and supposed to be in good shape car. But if one that new goes out two different times that quick, don't you think maybe your car might go out? Something happened? Got to have a repair bill. Wouldn't it make sense that we had a little money laid back? I mean, we don't have to have a gazillion dollars in the bank, but we ought to save up enough. Even if you have to do it $20 a month, $50 a month, save until you get up to 1000 breathe deeply, and then work your way towards 2000 and have enough in there. I mean, you might have to miss some McDonald's to do that, but it's good to have an emergency fund. The only thing to keep you from getting out of debt is not the devil, <laughs> and it's not your income. A lot of people say, boy, if I just had more income, I could, uh, I could whoop this thing, this thing called debt. I could do it if I just had a little more income. Usually it's not, now I'm not saying we don't ever need more income. Thank God for raises at work and, and bigger salaries, and, and that's a great thing. And, and we do need cost of living increases from time to time. But I'm just saying, if we can't keep our neck above the drowning level, with the income we've got now, it's be probably because of some habits we've got, financial habits that's keeping us at that level. And if we've got an income raise, 
we're, we're just going to get up there and we'll still be struggling. Because our habits, our habits is the underlying reason why we're in financial bondage. Putting off the decision. That's your blank. Maybe the last one I think it is. The reason. The one thing that will keep you from getting out of debt is putting off a decision to start following something like Ten Commandments of getting out of debt. If you delay, your family could be in peril. Therefore, we have these blanks at the bottom of that sheet you're holding that nobody's going to ask to see. I'm not your daddy. <laughs> Just between you and the Lord, you and your, you and your spouse, and your family and the Lord. But if you want to be out of debt, you'd write in the date. Beginning on such and such date, hopefully in this century, I am going to start obeying Ten Commandments for getting out of debt by making the needed changes so I can have a happy home. Sign it and date it and have your spouse to sign it. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's an agreement. That's a covenant. And you're saying, God, with your help, we're going to get out of debt and we're going to have a happy home where we're not struggling all the time and, and just trying to make ends meet. That doesn't mean that you'll always be wealthy. It doesn't mean that you won't have struggles. There may be times when you very well may, but it'll be better. It'll be better. How do we conclude? Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You live for God, he'll take care of you. If you don't have everything that you think you need, you still have a God who can give you a contented heart with what you have. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'd bless us. Help us to determine in our minds, in our hearts, and before you and our families, Lord, that we're going to get out of debt, stay out of debt, so we can serve you. We'll have more time where we're not working from 24-7, uh, just trying to make ends meet. Lord, help us to uh, come to the point where we can supply our families' needs. Maybe not all their desires or wishes or wants, but, Lord, the needs. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to just put our nose to the grindstone be faithful, be willing to sacrifice, and say, Lord, I'm going to tough it out. If you'll help me, Lord, we'll do it.